Thank you for listening to our sermon podcast. If you would like more information about First Baptist Church of Silva, please visit firstbaptistsilva.com. If you have never taken children to their first overnight camp, well, then you are missing out on quite the experience. Whether it's our own first time away from home or whether we're taking children, that it's their first time away from home, you need to know up front what you're getting yourself into. Now, there may be tearful goodbyes in the parking lot. Typically, those are the parents who are crying. You give it a few moments, however, because the children get on the vans or the buses and they steam away and spirits are high. There's great excitement about what is to come. Sometimes there's music playing. <laughs> Other times there are devices that are grabbing the children's attention. When you arrive at camp, and after the children receive their name badges, and after everybody settles in, that's when the leaders must be on their guard. Because as soon as the energy and the excitement begins to drop, the quivering lips start to quiver. A tear might descend, a child understandably misses their mother or their father or their pet or their friend and the leader that's skilled and knows this moment is going to occur springs into action and it's to keep that child isolated from the other children until at least they are quiet and calmed down because this homesickness can be contagious the remedy for this, of course, the cure for separation anxiety is exhausting for the leader because it's to keep the child and the children as active as possible, distracted, so that they don't have a moment to realize that those who they love most dear are not with them. And so it is a marathon, brothers and sisters, for several days in any number of hours until you deliver those children back to the loving embrace of their parents whom they've missed so much. Of course, it's not just us or children that suffer and experience separation anxiety. Y'all know very well that when we are grieving loss, we keep busy intuitively knowing that if we have a quiet moment by ourselves, we will be consumed with the memories of those whom we have lost. So we stay busy. We take on even more than we ever had. We do everything in our power not to look at the pictures on our walls. We make sure that we are with others when we write thank you notes. We know what it's like to be at camp without the ones we most dearly love and who we miss so dearly. Because 
Ultimately, when we miss something, when we have lost something, when we are grieving someone, we are simply trying to bide our time until our minds and our souls adjust to a new reality. Jesus' disciples were anxious. And if you listen carefully, you'll see that Jesus was anxious too. In our scripture passage today, Jesus is preparing to leave his friends and the air is charged with electricity. If you look carefully, you'll hear that Jesus is trying to lower the temperature in the room. He's just told them that he is going to prepare a place for them. And just prior to this, he tells them, I'm not going to leave you orphaned. I'm coming to you. You can imagine the, the disciples looking at one another going, I'll not leave you orphaned. Orphaned? Who said anything about being orphaned? Where exactly are you going, Jesus? And why can't we go with you? Imagine how this must have felt for the disciples who had followed Jesus for months, if not years, and now they're being told that he will not be with them much longer. That even though they had given their lives to him, something dramatic was about to change. Now you see me. Now you don't. Now you'll see me. Soon you won't. Jesus tells them, those who love me will keep my word, and my Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. It's a beautifully rich image of what it looks like to have a relationship with God. We read scripture because it gives us different ideas about what it looks like to be in a relationship with God, walking in the garden with our Creator. Trusting in all things through a wilderness with our God. A God who we read about in Song of Solomon that knows us in a, in a sense of intimacy that we know only in covenantal relationships. When we travel with God on the path, walking humbly with him, when God shepherds us, as God is in Jesus the good shepherd. These are all rich images to help us get our minds around what God wishes for us. And here we have another. This idea that God, the Spirit, the Son, the Creator, Sustainer, Redeeming God will make a home with us. Jesus says, I go to prepare this place for you. In full disclosure, I didn't experience this nearly as much as my wife did. But as we prepared to welcome our firstborn, she had this strong desire to nest. We had just moved to Chattanooga. And there was something, I could see it in her eyes, this desire to make certain that we were preparing a place to welcome our newborn. And what was beautiful was the church that I served at that time wanted, like ours, to have a, situa- a sense of ritual about that, a, a baby dedication experience, where together we knew that not only had we prepared a place for this young child, but that we were going to care for them 
as they matured. It wasn't just that they had prepared a place, they were also going to keep this place up so that they would have a home with parents and grandparents of faith, aunts and uncles of faith, so that when they, our children, went to GAs and RAs and youth group, they were surrounded by those who modeled for them a love from God that wanted to nurture them and hold them. That is what Jesus is describing here to the disciples. It has this sense of of refuge and strength, of retreat and comfort. Jesus goes on to say, "I've, I've said these things while I'm still with you, but the advocate, Jesus calls the Holy Spirit, the advocate whom the Father will send in my name will teach you everything and remind you of all that I've said to you. Y'all, it may not be camp. It may be the loss of a friendship, the losses we've experienced during this pandemic, maybe the loss of a loved one to death. My hunch is that we are all at some level experiencing separation anxiety. And this here is the remedy, the cure for that anxiety that we feel. Jesus announces that God is going to give us the gift of the Holy Spirit, the advocate, which literally means helper. This idea of the Holy Spirit as an advocate suggests a kind of companionship of someone that will be with us and will guide us. Spoiler alert, Jesus is preparing his followers for the gift of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost, which we will celebrate here in just a few weeks, where the Holy Spirit descends upon the gathered disciples, transforming them, which is really remarkable because these individuals were right there with Jesus for months, if not years, but they are only truly transformed through the gift of the Advocate, the Holy Spirit that changes them inside and out. This is what the church looks like. Guided, sustained, transformed by the presence of the Holy Spirit. According to Jesus in this verse, the advocate teaches. The advocate reminds us of all that Jesus said and did. I think this resonates with us because so many of us in this space vocationally, have served as teachers. I'm just curious. Raise your hand if you have served as a teacher in your life. We are a church of educators. We value educating and equipping one another, especially and particularly our children. This is not an accident. So we hit pay dirt in this moment. God sends us the advocate to teach us, and we know how much we value that. So the role of the church is to be guided by the Holy Spirit that teaches us what we do not know and what we do not understand. And at its most core foundational principle, teaching in the faith means remembering the actions of a God who loves us, particularly in Christ Jesus This moment that Jesus has with 
his disciples reminds me of the things that we tell our children when we're leaving them. Knowing that when you drop your your child or your toddlers off at the nursery or daycare or even kindergarten, there's a moment when you drop them off where you're not sure if they are going to go where they need to be or if they're going to want to cling to where they started from. Knowing this, I began a ritual with my children, Zeb and Ellen. I don't know if they remember it, but when I would drop them off, I would say, all right, it's time for my big hug. And of course, they knew that that meant to run and give me as big a hug as they could give me. And of of course, I'd say, oh, that's terrible. That's not good enough. And so they would go farther back and they'd run and they'd try and tackle me with their hug. And I'd say, no, 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 no. And we'd do it one more last time. They'd come, they'd charge, I'd hold them. I'd say, all right, have a great day. And I'd turn them around and I'd get out of there. (laughs) Did it work, Zeb? (laughs) Of course, I did this with Zeb the other day and he knocks me down and I busted my hip. It was was embarrassing for me and his high school friends. (laughs) It's important that we convey to our children, just as God conveys to the disciples, that although we may be apart, good things are going to happen. So we tell our children, I've got work to do. You're not going to be alone. You're going to be reminded all day that I love you in stories and in pictures that are going to remind you of, of all that got us to this point. And you're going to learn so much while I'm gone It's going to be okay. It is. In fact, it's going to be far better than you think. And oh, here's the best news of all. I'll be back. That's what we say to our children. That's what God says to us. That's what Jesus is saying in this moment that is tender as the disciples with quivering lips and a tear coming down looking at one another going, you're going to leave us. We won't know what to do. We don't know where to go. Where are you going and why can't we go with you? I'm going to prepare a place for you, John. It's going to be okay. In fact, The advocate is going to be with you. So stick together. Stay close. The advocate, the Holy Spirit, is going to teach you and remind you in all things about me. Jesus knows that when we get anxious, we tend to suffer memory loss. I know that when I lost my father to death, my thinking and my perspective became impaired. My father's death was not tragic, nor was it traumatic, but it, it took me time to adjust. And in that time, I couldn't recall things like I used to. Names, Things that needed to happen. I had to keep lists like I hadn't before. Things that would come easily to me. I couldn't place. When we lose 
something, when we are anxious about losing something, we suffer memory loss. It's one of the reasons why we give food to those who are grieving. Because even in those moments of shock and trauma, we forget even knowing how to keep living. So we bring food. We remind folks, it's time to eat. More often than not, in those moments, we can't even recall what we need to remember. And namely that we are not alone. That we are surrounded by those who are present. That we are not alone on the path. And that God has equipped us for that moment. That God's grace will be sufficient. The advocate works in and through the church to teach and remind us of Jesus. And this is important, y'all, because we also forget about Jesus. If the church's job is to point to Jesus in all things, especially when we get anxious, then there's never been a better time for the church to teach and remind one another of Jesus. Y'all, there are things that we forget about Jesus. We forget that Jesus was once the least of these. We forget that when Jesus was a child, he became a political refugee. He became a refugee with his parents to escape a maniacal king who slaughtered children because the king felt threatened. We forget that Jesus' own preaching years later in his hometown to his own people led his own friends and family to try and throw him off a cliff. We forget these things. We forget that Jesus gave clear direction to how we are to live our lives even when there's great disagreement with one another. Jesus preached love for our enemies and that we should pray for those who persecute us. Imagine how our political and social discourse would be different if we just were obedient to this passage that Jesus tells his followers over and over again. Love our enemies and pray for those who persecute us. We forget that Jesus was pretty clear about how we are to interact in this world that James and John, his disciples, asked Jesus for permission to call down fire from heaven to consume the Samaritans who had treated them poorly. I need to remind you that Jesus rebukes them. We forget that Jesus forgives the people who were in the process of killing him. We forget this. It's the church's job to remind us of this. We forget that Jesus knew what it was like to be human. That in the middle of Jesus' life, teachings, and ministry, his own followers left him when his teachings got hard. We forget that Jesus was exhausted by the demands of his life and ministry and demoralized by the death of his colleague in ministry, John the Baptist, and that right after that, 
He kind of throws up his, his hands and tells his disciples to do the work because he is exhausted by it. We forget these moments. We forget that Jesus weeps and grieves the untimely death of a friend. And we forget that Jesus prays to God that he will avoid suffering on the cross, but ultimately agrees to be obedient. We forget that Jesus shakes his fist at us, too. We forget that Jesus reserved his greatest rebukes and woes, not to the outsiders, not to the unclean sinners, not even to the Romans, but to the religious leaders who made the people's lives so hard. We forget this, or we choose to forget this. We forget that Jesus curses a fig tree when it doesn't bear fruit or do what it's supposed to do. And we forget that the religious leaders tried to get Jesus into politics by baiting him with questions about taxation and authority and that Jesus refused to do so and wound up making enemies on both sides of the political divide. You know, in all these moments, God gave Jesus precisely what he needed to power through. It was God's presence, his wisdom, his courage and his words that enabled Jesus to keep walking along the path. And here, in this moment, Jesus is telling his followers that what Jesus himself experienced, they can experience too. The presence of a God who is with us. The advocate in all things points us to Jesus. The advocate, the Holy Spirit, echoes Jesus in all things. So if you're wondering in this world whose voice you're hearing, you've got to ask yourself who the voice is echoing. Is it Jesus or someone else? You know, it's why we have the communion table down here in all our moments of worship because Christ calls us to remember, to remember him. Peace I leave with you, he says. My peace I give to you. I don't give to you as the world gives. So don't let your hearts be troubled and do not let them be afraid. Put it another way, Jesus says, I leave you peace. I give you peace. Jesus doesn't leave us memories, y'all. <laughs> he leaves us the gift of his enduring peace. The Holy Spirit will take care of the memories. Jesus leaves us peace. And the peace that Jesus brings is not the absence of tribulation or disappointment or hardship or even separation anxiety. Rather, the peace that Christ gives is the strength and affirmation that we can walk through the dark valley knowing that we will be okay in the end. Because y'all, we will be okay in the end. I learned not too long ago of something that a church did for their babies and their graduates. It reminded me actually of bringing a puppy home for the first time. For some of you all who have done that, gone to get a beautiful puppy for your family, you'll know that wise individuals 
will tell you to take a towel and to go to the mother and to rub the towel all over the mother and then to take that towel with you and the new puppy that you're bringing home away from their mom for the first time. And why? Because the scent of the mother will comfort the puppy. Because remembering is important. It gives us strength when we are afraid and anxious. So the church that did this, they, they must know how important this is. So some of the individuals of the church that were gifted in this way, they would create blankets, quilts, Afghans. They'd pray as they knit them, as they made them together. And at the baby dedication, they would present the family and the baby with the blanket. They'd put the babe in the blanket. They'd show the little girl or boy to the church and then they would give both the blanket and the child, of course, back to the family. What a beautiful image to be wrapped in the fruits and the offerings and the love of a different kind of family, a new family, so that as the child grows, it can go from something that swaddles them to something that goes over their bed when they are second or fourth or fifth graders. But the best part is when the church goes back to the family and says, your child is preparing to graduate. Give us the blanket back. And they take the blanket back. And on the day when they acknowledge graduation, they give that same blanket to that adult child. Why? Because as they go, it's important for them to remember their church family. For them to know that they are not alone. That even though there will be times of hardship and difficulty, of separation anxiety from any number of things, the blanket on their apartment bed or dorm room or the first home that they have with their husband and wife, they will remember their church family and all that they learned from the advocate, from their God. Autumn? We may have missed your baby dedication, but we want to wrap you in our love as a reminder of God's first love for us. We love you. Let's pray. Wrap us up, God, in your love so that when we feel alone, we feel close to you. For it's in Christ's name that we pray these things. Amen. Amen.